What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Dangerous When Focus podcast. Today, we have Mr. Emmett Brennan with us. Okay, uh, Emmett Brennan, thank you so much for coming in to the Dangerous Men Focus podcast. I really appreciate you giving us your time. Yeah, look, thanks for having me. Um, I suppose at the moment I'm in the middle of training, training, standing. Like, after fights, you have like a week or two off and then you're sort of straight back into training. So the last week has been tough for me. Um, tough on the body. Yeah probably tough that we're over christmas as well so um yeah tough on the belly as well and tough on the wine scales um so so the reason why i wanted to get you on the podcast uh it's a project that i've had for a while and obviously with being called dangerous when focused in the next year this is going to be released i feel like it's going to be huge i love the mantra dangerous when focused and it's people who I know not too well. Some of them I'm going to invite on. I'm really good friends with. We have a lot of mutual friends. I think uh, from following you on social media and just the last probably 12 to 24 months, I've been a massive supporter of you just from seeing the educational information you give out towards training, mindset, even sobriety and how you've like dealt with that stuff. It's a chat that I really wanted to have. And I'm like, you're one of the first guests. You're a Dublin lad. You're flying a Dublin pla- flag proudly. Uh, and I kind of want to go back to just kind of know because anyone who will be watching or listening, they might know you. And I think it's going to be global. Um, so from what I know, you're from Dublin. But can you kind of tell me uh, how old you are, your upbringing, where you're from in Dublin, and a little bit about your childhood and just like how life was growing up where you grew up? Yeah, first of all, love the tag, uh, Dangerous When Focused. Something that I sort of take a little bit of inspiration from myself. So that's that's props to you. Yeah, it's just like, look, you can achieve anything when you're laser focused, when you have your eye on the ball and you have all your energy into one thing. You can really, you can do some amazing things. So yeah, I go back to where I'm from. I'm from North Strand, as you said, Dublin. I wear the Dublin flag and the Dublin colours no matter where I go. I, I, I love Dublin. I love I love the people. I love I love town. I love I just love everything about it. Yeah. So I was born in North Strand. Um very, very sporty kid. Quite a, an introverted, awkward kid. Okay. Very, very awkward kid. I think sports sort of took that out of me up until I was like 10, 11, 12. I would have been Awkward is the word I, I okay. would describe. Yeah, very awkward. Um, Do you have many siblings? Yeah, I have a brother, two sisters, mother and father, both working class. My mother's a cleaner. My father worked in the factory his whole life. So, um, working class, hard working working class, but I never wanted for anything. Okay, never yeah. wanted for anything growing up. Anything I ever wanted um, was given to me. They were, they were great parents. Yeah. Still are great parents. Love um, very, very sporty as a kid. Okay. So I suppose the sports I was into would have been soccer, Gaelic, basketball. They were all team sports. Yeah. They were all team sports. And as I said, I was very, very awkward. Age 10, I went into boxing, which isn't a team sport. It's an individual sport um, where you sort of have to have your own independence and you get out of the sport what you put into it. Okay. Whereas you're like, the other sports I was in, like rugby, not, not rugby, <laughs> I wish it was rugby. Yeah, uh, football. Basketball, football, Gaelic, you're in a team setting. You don't have to turn up every week. You don't have to put in the effort because other people Doesn't are going to pick up the pieces there. for you. What I soon realised about the boxing was you get out what you put into it. 
If and you don't, if you don't train hard or you don't show up time at the time, you're getting hit in the face. You're getting hurt. So how, like, so one of the first questions I have because. I'd be like, how do you go into a boxing club? Because my idea of it from someone that has never stepped in, especially as a kid, uh, it's kind of, everyone probably has this misconception that it's scary or intimidating. And I'd love you to kind of break the, I suppose, the stereotype from that. But who was the first person to bring into a gym or like, you know, did, were you curious to what you're close to a club? So it, it is extremely intimidating okay. walking into a boxing club, especially as a 10 year old kid. It's, probably one of the most frightening things you can do. You're really getting outside of your comfort zone. You're going into a place that's full of older people. Most boxing clubs smell, yeah. smell of sweat. You've people with blood, people getting hurt. So it is very, very intimidating for a kid to walk into into a club. I suppose that's slightly different now than what they were 20 years ago. Um, you probably prefer the older club. Yeah, I, I love it. Yeah. I love the old club. now. All the facilities around Dublin and the country, they're all done up and they're all fancier places. Yeah, they're up to standard. So the places that were around 20 years ago, I didn't really around anymore, but I got into the sport, as I said, I was involved in soccer and that, and I got into a fight when I was playing soccer. I was only 10 years old and couldn't really defend myself. Um, That sounds like a common thing. Yeah. With with, uh, with fighters or anything that I seem to read up on, it was like they wanted to be self-defense or be able to defend themselves. Yeah, and as I said, I was an introvert kid. I was introverted and very, very socially socially awkward. So I got into a fight. I think someone hit me a dig in the back of the head and I just turned around. Can you remember the person? Well, like, wasn't um, some of your friends with or no, one of your buddies in school? No, I think it was a person off one of the other teams. I'm not sure, but I turned around and I just started crying. Yeah. I just, and you know, as a kid, when you're in convulsions or crying, where you, you're panicking and you're shaking, and I just couldn't defend myself. And my father's very good friends with the boxing coach um, up in St. Saviour's at the time in Doors Estuary. Yeah. My father was like, right, next week, bring you down to the boxing club. And so he brought, dad brought yeah, you down. Yeah, brought me down and I can, I can still remember, this is 20 oh, years ago, man. 20, 22 years ago, I can still remember the excitement of going down to a boxing club, but also the fear. I was going because to say. Because as I said, I'm stepping into the unknown. St. Saviour's on Doors Estuary. It was the best club in the country at the time, but, it was an old club, smell the sweat, you walk in, the like, condensation coming down the walls. It's still there. It's still there, it's yeah. not being done up. Okay. Toilet, rank, read the piss. It's like the um, Rocky movies, like yeah. the 70s, 80s, like, Jim Ross. That's the only way I can describe it. Something out of a Rocky yeah. movie. Um, Pat McCormick, John McCormick, they were the head coaches. Two old men, angry looking, Pat McCormick. Mad, 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 mad man. If anyone knows boxing that I listened to this, he was mad. Like he'd he'd go through it in a second, but he was a great character. So I walked in there and I fell in love with it straight away. What were you doing? Like just like training, skipping, like beyond the pads or hitting the bag? I can even remember my first night. I brought down, I was brought down to a mirror like this. The mirror, coach throwing a jab, throwing a right hand, throwing a one-two, just (laughs) moving your head in the mirror. And I can remember it. Straight away, I was hooked. I was was hooked straight away. 10 years of age. 10 years of age. And it was probably soon after that sport, uh, boxing became my me sole sport. I went out of football. I went out of Gaelic. went out of basketball and skill. And I just solely focused on boxing. I, I loved it. I wasn't great yeah. as a kid. Very, 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 very dedicated to the sport. Never missed training. Loved it. 
love going down to the club and if I had to miss it, it would kill me. But in terms of talent, I was quite average. I was okay. quite average. Um, wasn't bad, wasn't great. I won my first fight. I can Lovely. remember, I can remember that as well. So it was 11, 10, I think, yeah, 10 or 11. It's called Boy One, so it's under 11, so you can be 10 or 11. Okay. Um, Box of Lab and Crumlin, I can't remember his name, but at that time, there was no skill involved. You just go in and throw as many punches in three, <laughs> in three rounds as you could. Um, won the fourth and got beaten in my next three. Oh, got beaten in the next three, so we, I sort of felt the feet straight away and knew what it was like and the tears were coming out of my eyes. I was crying. It was a horrible feeling, but I always went back and tried to get better. Okay. Um, my first year, it was only boxing a year. I got to the Irish finals. Yeah, age what? 11. Great, great achievement at the time. Was, was there like, any boxers in the family? Like, or just your dad? My father your... boxed. Okay. My father boxed. How good he was, I don't know. <laughs> That's um, a discussion for you I was only talking to him the other night. He was trying to tell me he was good. <laughs> I'm not ready buying it. Um, <laughs> But he was friends with Jimmy, who was the fellow that brought me down, and Jimmy was excellent. Jimmy, okay. was, Jimmy was a great coach, still is a great coach, an unbelievable person, and he's been um, a great inspiration, a great role model throughout my life. So a lot, I said my father walked in a, um, out in a warehouse, but he walked his way up, and my father walked abroad a lot. Okay. And Jimmy would make sure he never missed training. He'd pull up outside, pick me up, bring me to train and bring me home all the time. Did he see maybe at the start, did he probably see a bit of a, this guy could be something, you know? Do you think that's what no, it was? Or just someone looking out for you? He's, he's a very good friend and my me, me father. He's, he's known me dad since the kids. They grew up together and they're still great friends now. Yeah. Um, so it'd be my father's brother-in-law's brother. So he sort of, yeah. he's, he, to me, I, I class Jimmy as family. Yeah, so he is family. He just didn't want to see me going astray. He made, picked me up, brought me home every night. Not a bother to him, and he's been a great role model to me throughout my life. Okay, so like for me as well, it's important that I think listeners, viewers, and even myself to really get to know you. I would be, I played football. The first dream was to play for Man United, which seems quite common when I see people of my age. I'm 36. But when you were at this age and you were, as you, did you say you were awkward in school or just very in general? Awkward, very awkward, very socially awkward. And the, the, box, the boxing took that out of me. And like, so when you kind of started to compete, right, what we, well, I would love to know, I'm sure listeners, like, why would you encourage, because I don't want to paint a bad, but I come from a pretty amazing home, working class mother and father. I'm the eldest of six boys. I remember going to school and actually being bullied in a fight and I got punched around by one lad and it shook me and I was, I was actually bullied by uh, these kids from where I grew up. And I remember I had to like run home and hide. But I never, my dad was big into boxing. I never picked it up. It was just, it wasn't in me, so to speak, right? I had an uncle who was a little Rottweiler. Uh, and he, because people knew he's my uncle, I could throw his name around. And I was kind of not bothered for the rest of my life. At a young age, do you think you kind of had a bit of a fight or instinct in you? Do you like, remember you said you didn't really have talent. Yeah, like, you didn't I definitely have a fight or instinct. Do you think in me, yeah. every person just either has this fight or flight thing? Yes. You can't mold because. If you're a professional fighter, you know, you, you can't you can't promise every kid. If you go to a gym and do this, you'll be this. Do you think it does have an instinct? No, it's it's, it's, in, it's in, in you. It's or in not. you or it's not. I, no matter I what I believe training. you either have the heart of a fighter or you don't. And I've seen it time and time again. Yeah. I've seen some excellent boxers throughout the year that throughout the years that are extremely talented. Mm. 
and they've done quite well themselves but when it comes to it they get beaten they because they don't, they don't have the dog in them it's yeah. it's your instinct it, it is your instinct I know I have that in me it's one of probably my main characters as a fighter that I have that you have dog a lot of heart and I spirit. have that dog in me I, I know I have it um, there is people that don't have it but I'll go back to what you're talking about there being bullied so I joined St. Savers 22 years ago when Ireland was a completely different place to I where it is imagine. now. So there, w- there wasn't as many foreign people, there wasn't as many black people in the country, or wherever way you want to put it, yeah. okay? I went into St. Savers 22 years ago. There was men there, there was women there, there was children there, there was adults there, there was black people there, there was Russian people there, there was Chinese people there, there was people that had loads of money, there was people that couldn't afford their subs. Right. There was people that had nothing. Everyone was accepted. Love it. Didn't matter where you came from or your what background. you're doing. None of that mattered. In a boxing club, everyone is accepted. Love it. And bullying, bullying isn't accepted. Oh, okay. What, what boxing does is it helps people that are bullied and it helps the bully. It was it was a major question I had because I'm like, I think the, the good thing with social media, podcasts, uh, YouTube channels is information and education. And it's something that I will delve into. But for, yeah, your story is important. Like I kind of know where you're at now, literally just after fighting in the tree arena and becoming a champ after your second professional fight. So when you're to go back to your childhood and in the gym and winning this first uh, match or championship at about 14. So it's real important, I think, for me and for other people to know when you're in, say, secondary school, uh, how did you kind of finish out in school? I left school at 16, did a carpentry apprenticeship, tried out uh, carpentry for four years, did hairdressing, and it led me to to do barbering. And, you know, for you, because your career is obviously very important, did you have a second option or did you know from secondary school, I'm just going to go straight in to this. This is all or nothing. I'm going to risk it. This is what I really love. And did you have like a part-time job and did you do school or what's your kind of around six, you know, everything? Yeah, as I said, like, I wasn't great at boxing. Okay. I was I was always up there. I'd always get to an Irish final, but I'd never win them. I didn't win For me first. Long, long yeah, time, I didn't yeah. win me first Irish championship until I was 20. So I had about, yeah, I had about se- seven or eight finals I got and I got beaten in all of them. Um, very, very hard to take, obviously, but I had the mindset that I was going to come back next year and I'd win them. And I'd, I always knew I'd eventually get there. But... So it wasn't really, when I started going to leave and said, it wasn't really that boxing could be a career because you, quite frankly, I wasn't good enough. If you want to call okay. it spade a spade, I wasn't yeah. good enough, okay? But I hated school. Oh, I, it's the same. I absolutely despised school. Hey, was there anything you liked in school? No, I just, no, not one even no, subject. Didn't have a fit well sports. No, no, I hated it. Despised the place. Absolutely despised it. But my mom made sure I'd done my leaving set. Okay. That was the deal she had. Do whatever you want out of school, but get your living set. Now, I mean, <laughs> I was terrible. I think I got 80 or 90 points in the living set. I didn't I was, finish that. That's low. Yeah, it's very, very, okay. it's very, very low. But I hated the place. Like, so I that's a to, reflection, of course. Why you know, would you I used to go on the, the mitch, but I wasn't <laughs> going on the mitch smoking around. So I used to go into school for the first two classes. I went to St. Joseph's in Fairview. Um, what did you I would leave out of the second class and go to the gym. Boxing Tra- gym? No, I got the oh, Westwood okay, across the yeah. road. 
É, minha mãe had, had a membership for there for me. Well, I went to Westwood, then I go back to school, finish up school and then go home. Used to do that every day. God. I hated the place. Right. Despised this, and I wasn't extremely brainy either. So it wasn't like I was good at the theory and I just hated it. I hated it and I was bad at the theory, but I had the day with my mother that I finished the living set. So finished that at, at 18 and you're a few years older than me, so you're probably in a similar circumstances. We were. I was told I have to have, if I'm going to leave school, have to have a career and my cousin gave me an apprenticeship as a carpenter yeah. there's not so i think i i wonder that me and you come from similar backgrounds in the sense of working class i'm not sure if you come from i come from a council estate i'd never want that i was spoiled i always had the best food i was loved no issues at home it was never <laughs> my mother and father never like beat me up or treat me bad they just wanted the best for me and my upbringing was uh was very very good do you think in boxing uh, it's important that where you come from like do you think it's more of a working class sport yeah because they get that dog is in you and you yeah, know 100%. is that just something that's every champion if you google every of the the best i'm a mike tyson fan that just shows my age i love his story love his documentary i love his vulnerability and i love that he could cry and he's just so much pent-up thing and he could just have that dog him so do you think it, it's totally your I just said you kind of you either have it or you don't. Yeah, you either have it or you don't. And it is a working class sport. Most yeah. boxing clubs are in working class areas, areas because. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm just think about that. It's a it's a it's a great sport, but like it's not glamorous. Or it's not glamorous. There's a lot of hard work to get to the top, and even when you do get to the top, there's not a lot of money in it. Um, okay. No, but that's at the very very top. When you first go into a sport, you're not really thinking about that. Well, it is a working class sport. You look at most boxers, especially in Ireland, that have done well. They're all working class people. Yeah. Um, well, that might, again, that might change over time. You never know. That could change over time. But did you're you not really roots? getting much boxing clubs in the likes of Fox Rock or Clontarf or, or Hota, Darkie. You're not getting them in there. It, it, it is what it is. Yeah. The rugby, cricket, the likes of hockey, stuff like that. They're, the mainstream sports in them areas but it is a working class sport and um, what it does for kids in them areas because I see it firsthand. I know as I've seen I've said to you there I was a very awkward and a shy kid and what it's done for me so I've seen what it's done for me but I was obviously when you're that bit older you look at things through a different lens so I'm in a boxing club and I see kids coming in that might be a little bit overweight and afraid to talk to each other. Or even someone that's, as you said, like if someone is a bit of a bully or they go down, it kind of, they mightn't have the role model at home or somebody, it actually does, is there, there's a bit of a gym etiquette. You know, they're like, you know what? This is how it's done. We're all equal. We're all here to work. The one thing is they're all listening to someone, the coach. And the the coach is that. Yeah. He's, it's a great title. I'm he's sure. the he's the head of the club. They Even listen. if you're in there winning championships, yeah. I know oh, you, you listen to the head coach. Like, I, I go down training tomorrow morning, and Philip is the head coach in Docklands. He'll tell me what to do, and I listen to what he does. Doesn't matter what I've done in the sport, I listen to what he does. He's, okay. he's my coach. You have to put it all into him. I have respect for him. One, I have respect for him as a person, but two, I have respect for his uh, coaching abilities and what he brings to the table. So I'm going to listen to what he says. Yeah. But that doesn't matter if you're me at 32 years of age or a kid at 10 years of age going through the door, you listen to him. But if you're 10 years of age and you listen to him, 
you, that's going to transfer it outside of a boxing club. You might start listening to your parents a little bit more, your teachers a little bit more in school. When you become 16, 17, 18 and you have to get a job, you might be able to listen to your boss a little bit better. Because of it's instilled in you. It's, it's instilled big, in you from 10 years of age. For, for the head coach, you know what I mean? It's I suppose it should be. It's probably a very uh, sacred title. Um, you, when you were kind of, well, not when you, when you were growing up, so I can only imagine it's a hard sport. However many make it is probably like winning the lottery. And even with all hard work, sacrifice, you can have probably bad injuries. Will you talk us through, uh, like, did you have a job outside when you finished school? Did you, what did you do career-wise as well to make money? Did you coach? Did you have a job in the gym? Or how do you kind of support yourself then when you finish, don't do well in your leaving cert? What do you do then as a young man? Because I was very lost and I only set up my business uh, when I was 26. So I had a big window from six, I had 10 years of being lost. I went through, I did every job on the plan. I sold papers on the street. I worked in bakeries. I cleaned. I worked in bars. What did you do kind of from after school then to kind of to your early 20s? And how did you make, how did you support yourself? I left school, money? went straight from me leaving straight into my father's shop. Yeah. Um, out in Oldham and Kulak and I was there for about four or five months and then I went and done a PLC from there. Okay. So worked as a factory worker for about five months, then went to Clarsdale up in Finglas, done a PLC in sports and leisure management. Um, I was getting, I was getting some sort of grant. I was getting maybe 200 quid a week to do that. So I'd done that for a year or two. Yeah. Came out of, after I'd done the PLC, we were flat bang in the middle of a recession. So there wasn't many jobs going. Yeah. So like 2009 to 2011, there was- I remember you'd, that you'd time You'd know yourself, yeah. there was nothing really going. So- Very um, hard times. And I done sports- Post-Celtic Tiger when yeah. Ireland had its uh, yeah. money to burn and everyone had it to burn. So that was sports and leisure management I'd done. There was no jobs in gyms. So I came <laughs> out of that and I just took the first thing I could get. I got an apprenticeship down plumbing. Okay. It's very hated, similar. Yeah. yeah. Traded it from the second I went oh, in. The I went in. the dirtiest yeah. job, they say, of all the trades. I went in age 21. I was on 560 an hour. Oh, I've got to yeah. say, 560 a week was big. We yeah. like 240. Uh, 560, so, yeah, so about 250 a week, age yeah. 21, and I was breaking me back for it. I was doing, you know, a four-year apprenticeship, carrying the tools, carrying materials. It's a horrible, horrible job. Instead of that until I was 25, so I was just about, about, about out of my time, and I realised, I hate this. I okay. am not doing this for the rest of my life. I maybe mind up, I'm not doing it. I'll find something else I can do. At the time, I was partying a lot. Okay. I was living a life that I absolutely hated. I was suffering very, very bad with depression. From the session, do you think? From, from the, the session, yeah, born like, the candle at both ends. Was, one, I was in a job that I hated. Right? So first was, thing you're going to do on the weekend. At the time, I was a 40 year apprenticeship. So I was starting to make, starting to make good money, maybe five, 600 quid a week, um, which is decent yeah, money. Yeah, it is. Living at home at the time, so not much overheads. So hated the job, was gambling every day of the week. Go away. Was drinking every weekend, and I'd stop boxing at the time. So that was four really, really bad things that were going on. In major, my life. major pillars. 24, 25, so I really, I hated life. I was, call it a spade, spade, I was depressed. Yeah. Um, 25, then I decided, right, what makes me happy? I've boxed me whole life. Was there something that kind of made, did you hit like a kind of rock I was, bottom? I was walking over in Amsterdam. Yeah, uh, was there a light bulb on like Yeah, like I was this. walking over in Amsterdam, I was pipe fitting. It was September 
2015, 2015, Great or, memory, 20, yeah. 2015 or 2014. <laughs> and I was doing 12-hour days in in Amsterdam, seven days a week. I was only over there for four, four weeks. And I'd go into work at seven in the morning. I'd finish at seven. I'd sprint back to the hotel, get a quick shower, go for a few points and something to eat. Every I'd, night. Every night. Yeah. I'd stop drinking at probably one or two in the morning. Wake tough. up at six and I'd done that for four weeks straight and I was at I was just at I was at the end of it. And I was like, when I go back to Dublin, I'm going back boxing. I don't care. Back to I'm the going roots. I'm going back to it. Getting back to boxing and I came I came back on the Sunday, I broke my ankle playing football on the Monday. So I'm already <laughs> back to the boxing on the Sunday. Yeah. I just went for a kickabout, yeah. broke the ankle. Um now I'm in probably the worst mental state I've ever been before this has happened. Then we've that. six to 12 weeks on the sideline. Obviously some very bad thoughts going through your yeah. head at the time. Did you have a job to come back to? No. After, that's no. all place. That's all very important. So I'm unemployed, overweight. What age? Yeah, the, the, I was 24, 26. So Young man. You can imagine me self-esteem was at a very very low point um but got the the ankle end up coming better anyway around christmas that year went back boxing then over probably the space of the next 12 months i was in an hour boxing in an hour boxing i'd start to do well i'd go back on the session i'd get myself back into the boxing club i'd go back on the session it's just You're going around yourself yeah. after doing well very classic mindset yeah going just going around about were you celebrating good things or were you just celebrating for the sake of it It was just a what i've always known was going yeah. on the session i've known it gambling at the time as well very bad so didn't have a lot of money Um, as i said self-esteem at an all-time low but i eventually got the grips for it got myself back boxing and then 2006 the end of 2016 um so in january it was actually january 2017 i was like this is it Qu quitting the job quit the pipe fitting and december 2016 we ended the all orleans in january 2017 for this a weight class or a 75 middleweight middle so yep yeah. the winner of, this is the elite title, so this is the best of the best in the country. Were you, you advised to go into this? Or no, just, no, it's just I was 25, 26. That's where you, you should be should at be this there. level. So if you win this, you're granted the Irish Olympic team where you have a chance in the next few years to qualify for the Olympics. And eight weeks before, I was like, right, I'm going all in. Um, and I'm, got, I'm entering this competition to win it, not just to enter it, to compete. And I'm to going, keep busy, yeah. I'm going here to win it. I'm going all in. If I'm giving up my job and if I'm if I'm sacrificing so much in my life, I'm going in here to win it. Now, I've never won the elite. I never even won a fight in the national elites before that. Okay. I entered it three times when I was like 19, 20, 21 and got beaten in the first fight. Bad. I won the competition. <laughs> won it. I've... Was it easy? Like, not no, in a cocky no, way? No, extremely hard, hard. Yeah. extremely hard. I was finding people that were better than me. I've never won at this level before, but just something took over me. I started to change my life and I started to see the positive effects from change. From eight weeks? Yeah. It's kind of rewarded you. Yeah, and I, I got there and I won it. And this put me on the Irish team. I'm 25, 26 at the time. I've never LA'd, been. I'm sure. I've never been on an Irish team, and it's me. I had two goals when I first came into a boxing club. One was being national league champion, and two was being an Olympian. They were my two goals. So okay, you could kind of. Took, this. You took me sixteen this. years to do the first one. 
<laughs> and, and then I went on a crazy journey over the next four years. I was like, how far can I push my body? Can I become an Olympian? Now, bear in mind in 2017, I'm going to say it here, I was dog shy. Okay. I was quite average. I was quite average. In what, just in whole general fitness in terms boxing? Of, just in terms of boxing. Focus, I've never everything. fought on this level. I've never, I've never boxed for Ireland. I've never been around Did this. Did you fight somebody? Did you ever, ever spar with someone that was like next level? Yeah, so you could kinda, I, you could I was know. always beneath you, you like, They were always better than me, but I got to a stage where I just trusted in myself and I went all in. I dedicated myself to the process of becoming an Olympian and then from winning them championships I got onto the Irish team and I can remember talking about your first time going into a boxing club it was like going into a boxing club all over again the excitement I'm 26 at the time yeah. the excitement the nerves of what, going what's the process like like when you deal with is the like you're part of the Irish sports council or the Olymp somebody comes up and goes you're part of the fucking team. Like, well, you you win the All Ireland, then you get an email to say you're invited out to train in, in, in Abbottstown out in there in Blanchestown. So good facilities, great facilities, world class. World class. You're with the best coaches, the best backroom coaches, the best athletes in the world. Is so, it is it similar to was Katie Taylor? Does she? I watched she her documentary, just, but she came up through. Uh, was it through Olympics as well to be yeah. professional? So it'd be the same team as what she was yeah. on. But she had left by then. She'd gone pro. So obviously extremely nervous walking in for my first day. Are you by yourself again? Are yeah, you by me, yeah, by myself, walk yeah. in. Um, I can remember this. Done my first training session and I was so far off the level. What? I was so far away from everyone else, but I knew in my mind, this is the environment that I needed to be in. I, I needed to be around people that were better than me. For yeah, me to, to get, for me to grow and me to get better. And I knew over the next few years, the gap might have been this size now. We knew in the next two or three years that was going to decrease and I was eventually going to grow up to their level and that's what happened. I just completely put myself out there and tried to get better day by day and I did. So like with that, well, of course, getting to the Olympics and again, from following it on social media and uh, seeing highlight reels and actually some of the upset moments, the process of that is something that so few people will ever get to call themselves that. I think I might have met up with you afterwards, but... Uh, can you talk us through brief just what the Olympics is like? Like, how can it, what would be, how would you try and sell it to someone to try and get to it? Like, the benefits to it to represent your country. You're obviously a proud Irishman, but like, how hard do you think it is to get that? Like, really, like, what's the people don't see? They, like, what was the kind of schedule you were on? What were you doing to make you to, to proudly represent Ireland and be Olympian? Is it like, like weighing your food? doing the same shit all day, every day, not drinking alcohol, not being able to go out, have a beer or whatever. How much dedication does it really take? People don't see it, I don't think. So when I first granted the team, I had no income, so I wasn't actually on funding. So you granted the team, oh, wow, that's you're really invited important. to train full time with them, but they don't pay you. Is that in every sport or in Ireland or just? Or in boxing anyway, I don't know what the other sports okay. are like. So you're out on Abbottstown Tuesday to Friday, training twice so a day. So you can't work. So you That's can't your job. Work. Well, I worked. I got a job working in the gym. Okay. So this is, I'll put it, this is how my, my week went, right? Got up at six o'clock in the Monday morning, went to work at seven, finished work at three, went training on a Monday night at seven. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, this is in my own box. Oh, you're wrong. Okay, sorry. Okay. Tuesday, hey. Wednesday, Thursday, I went out to Abbottstown. So I trained twice on a Tuesday, twice on a Wednesday, twice on a Thursday. 
trained on a Friday morning down in Abbottstown and then went straight into Pear Street into the gym. Walked on, walked on Friday night. Then I walked Saturday and Sunday in, in the gym. And then I done that every week. Was it wasn't in the Markovic, was in it? In the Markovic. Oh, well, yeah, because yeah. I see your videos. Well, yeah. I recognise that. Yeah, it was yeah. in the Markovic. So that I had no days off. I went to represent Ireland in 2019 in a multi-nation tournament. This is represent my country. I hadn't had a day off training a walk in 49 days. And Not I, one day off. I don't think many people would know that. I'm sure. Not if, one day off. And I was still only bringing two or three hundred quid in a week because I was only doing about 16 to 20 hours when you added them up throughout the week. Did so, you get a little bit of support? I remember, was there someone tried to So I eventually... Because I remember seeing something. Yeah, I eventually, in 2020, when I qualified, I got on the funding. But the, the past three, four years, I wasn't on funding. So I don't have a three, yet. four years. It was financially one of the most straining things that has ever I've ever endured. And obviously when you're financially strained, you're the obviously pressure. emotionally strained and physically strained as well. So it was, it's not for the faint heart. Yeah. And you realize why only very, very few people get there. So it's, it's having that dog in you that we talked about earlier on. Yeah, I, I, know, I know I got that dog in me, but it's, I had so many opportunities throughout the years to, to throw me hat and quit. I had so many it's opportunities to walk something. away and it, it obviously crossed my mind because it was it was very, very hard when you I thought when you're 28, 29 toward you at this day it's I think when I qualified for the Olympics, I had about a grand in my bank. I was worth about a thousand euro it's toward years of age. Still living at home in my mass. It's a very common story, I'd say. Yeah, people see it and it's it's not I think it's hard as well living in Ireland, it's gotten a lot differently. I was fortunate that I, I lived at home, I handed up what I could every week, but like, it, we won't go into the rabbit hole of the cost of living here and how hard it is. Did that happen to you at 30? So even let's just say the Olympics, uh, you don't, how would you say you did? I wanna see what you would, how do you feel like you did in the Olympics? Yeah, from I'm your never, point of view, what, I'm what never you happy with how I done the Olympics. That's, I'd love that's to know me. That. Um, I think I was so proud being, to watch it as any boxing fan or sportsman was, you're just, you're, you're literally put your heart in your sleeve. I feel like you, you put everything out. You're very transparent, super, super likable. I actually know you from outside of here and you've always been nice to me, friendly. You've never, you know, you've never had, I have not seen a change in you since I remember meeting you. I think out socially, I think you were having a zero, zero and I had a point. You're very nice to me, no ego. It's like, what does, yeah, what does it feel like then? You think you're a disappointment? No, or not, not disappointment. You feel the weight of like, I let the no, club I never down. No, I never felt like I let anyone down. Okay. Um, so I put me 22 years of my life into getting into to the Olympics. When I get to the Olympics, I was injured. Very unfortunate, but that's life. That's how, yeah, that's, that's what life. you dealt with. You, you, you roll with the punches. Um, so I went over there. I couldn't train for six weeks. So six weeks before the Olympics, I done my training on the spinning bike. That's Just, it. That's all I done. Spinning bike, a little bit of strength and conditioning. I think maybe seven days before the Olympic Games started, I could punch again. So the You wouldn't be sharp. Yeah, the preparation wasn't there, but in my mindset, I was going to win. Like in, Just I, the self-belief. I had convinced right. myself that I was going to win. Then I got the draw. So obviously everything has gone against you yeah. at this stage then you get the draw you're fighting number two in the world <laughs> in your first fight so you're like right things cannot, <laughs> things have gone from bad to worse bad to worse they've gone so um but in my head i convinced myself i was going to beat this fella 
Oh, yeah. Love it. No, no doubt in my mind that I was beaten. You get into the ring, um, things don't go to plan, you get beaten. And yeah, for me, I thought I could have done better. And I still look at it like I could have done better. So look, although I'm disappointed with how things go, you move on. You can't live in the moment. Life goes on. Sun rises the next day. It's, yeah, the, it's t- the way the it goes. The time will always come in. Yeah, it's the way it goes. It, it's kind of, for me as well, the whole idea of, uh, well, a, a big part of this podcast is mindset and I want to be around people who I think are successful, but that doesn't mean it's always wins. And I read uh, John Cavanagh's book, Win or Learn, and I love that, you know, you never, you never lose, you learn. And I think some things can be a catalyst. Like here, when I lost my first business, by losing that, I learned more in that 12 months that, than I could have if everything had went right. And I, I'm a true believer in that. So part of your profession, I want to talk about the scorecard and, and becoming professional because I just know what's just after happening in your professional career now to have your second fight. Uh, a, is it part of life is, I think, losing and learning and how important is that? And then going into becoming a professional, is it a big thing still where you want to have this clean streak of a fight card so you can get to a certain level? Or is it is that part of the business that you want to have 10 and 0, 12 and 0? Shit doesn't work out. Is, is that pretty much a death sentence if you get beaten in your first 10 professional fights? No. So no. So... <laughs> I suppose I'm going into professional boxing a little bit older than the average person. I'm 32 now. That, I say this all the time, there's positives to that and there's negatives, negatives yeah. to it. Obviously, the negatives is time is against you. Not stupid, time is against me. Okay. The positives is you can look at it a little bit differently. So what I've talked through my experience of boxing throughout the years and the Olympic Games is don't get too down over the lows. And don't get too high right. over the highs. Yeah. Because the lows, something similar. the lows are going to happen. Um, it's it's sport. Inevitable. It's life. It's going to yeah. happen. Like that, the Olympic Games, I suppose post-Olympic Games, I thought too much into it. It ruined my life for the next year. I really went into a bad, a downward spiral. So the experience I've gained from that is, is game changing. Yeah. It's game Love changing. That. I'll never, I'll never it's be It's actually that, helped you. Yeah. The negatives that happen in my life, because there's going to be plenty of them that come along the way over the next 40 or 50 years. I'll never go down in that downward spiral again. Same thing. Now, I've never been a person that got too high over the highs anyway, because I'm always thinking, what's next? The real, like, geez, yeah. what could go wrong? Or- but enjoy the highs, but don't live off them. Okay. Life goes on the next day. Um, so if I... My whole thing with going into professional boxing now is I want to do it a little bit different than the average person. So is I don't s- want to take mm. these easy fights and get to 20 and all and have never fought anyone. So yeah. I don't want to do that. So I'm going to take risks and I've already took a risk. So I became Celtic champion in my second fight. No one does that. No one does Has that. Has it been okay? done before? I don't think it's been done. I don't done. think. I'm which, not, which yeah. is, it's great for me. Again, you don't get, don't enjoy the highs too much. Yeah. You move on. You're like it very... Is, yeah, yeah, it is. It's another it day is. at the office. Stay level-headed about it. So I'm going to take risks over the next next year, next two years, next three years. I have a, probably a cut-off point of five years in professional boxing. Okay. Now at age 37, 38, that's me done. So I'm going to take risks. Love With it. risk, there's a chance you're going to be beaten. There is, the chance is always there. 
especially if I'm fighting someone that has a little bit more experience than me. So if I get beaten, say, in my seventh fight, I'm fighting against someone that's really, really good and I'm fighting for a title, obviously I'll be devastated. Yeah. Will it define me and will it ruin my life for six months like I did after the Olympics? Absolutely not. So I've it, learned from it. In a way, yeah, I love that because it's like, um, I think you're all allowed to be upset. It's obviously different in my field. It's barbershop, it's cutting hair, it's all number-based and business and each year has to be better than the last, but that's not how it is. Uh, COVID hit, we had, I didn't, couldn't foresee that. It was the worst time financially for us. But in actual fact, in that time, I set up a new business of becoming a coach for like in my field, the first ever barber coach in Ireland, in Irish history. I'm a very positive person. Of course, I get down and it's like, I love to look at things as a catalyst. It's something I did when I started to work with a therapist to deal with what I thought was addiction problems. And I just was going down this path of like the same thing. I'd work all week. I'd reward myself with drinking drugs, party, feel low, feel good. It's it's the stereotypical system. And it's very, uh, it's very honest and humbling to hear somebody say this, that they're going to take risks. Because if I didn't take risks and put it all on the line, professionally speaking, in my field, cut and saw wouldn't be as big as it is. It is a barbershop. It's, it's a very humble industry like i'm not like it's not like i'm changing lives but we are doing a great service every day uh to lots of people and it's a haircut's important for men's mental health how they feel and it gives men generally we obviously have women as well come in to kind of chat to someone once a month and how are you doing that's the first question what's happening how are you keeping my circle is so important my team i like to think of myself as a great leader for you, what's your circle like? Because I, I want to talk to you about your circle, how close-knit you are. Uh, I know that you're drug-free. I don't know if you ever took drugs, but I know for alcohol, I'm trying to be alcohol-free. I love how solid, and you actually drink zeros. You're a great promoter for that. How is it that you're dealing with that, or is it something you struggle with, or it's easy giving up alcohol? Because I look at your literally every TikTok and story, I'm a massive fan. I can't wait to see yeah, what the next one is. The, like, the alcohol thing was Alcohol so, for me I is talked about so the post-Olympics. So I let, I let that defeat define me for the next year. I went into a really downward spiral, spiral where um, alcohol became a coping me- mechanism. So went over to New York, went over there to go professional, ended up just drinking myself silly for <laughs> mad two silly. months. Spent like $18,000 on drink over <laughs> two months. Went through most of the money I got from the <laughs> Olympics and I laugh about it now, but it was, I talked about when I, in, when I was 25 and I was in a low place, I was in a really, really, really low place coming back from New York. New York. Yeah, you mentioned mind, that a lot. Bear in mind, nine months previous, I'm on the highest of the high. I'm in Tokyo at the Olympic Games. On national telly. On national telly. Now you, Everyone months, knowing you and seeing it. Nine months later, I've thrown every opportunity that has been given to me, I've thrown them away for alcohol. I'm in a terrible, terrible place. Like we getting like locked, like really ah, blackout drunk. I, you, New York, four o'clock in the day to four o'clock in the morning, 12 hours, day Very every day, big every day, drinking every culture. Day. Yeah. I went, I just went off the rails. Yeah. So initially stopped and then I came back to Ireland on the 4th of May, 2022. Coming back and not drinking because I was in a different environment was easy. 
Okay, I find Dublin very hard, but well, I was coming from New York. Yeah, that's, I was, I was it's back a, around, it doesn't sleep. I was back city. around my family, and I was in the boxing club, and your I had that structure is. and everything, so it was easy at the start. Like everything, it just becomes boring after a while. So yeah. six months, uh, six weeks to eight weeks later, I was dying for a drink. I was okay. dying for a drink. So even now, eighteen months later. This week, because it's Christmas, obviously, I'm looking at all the lads Creamy out enjoying points. themselves. I've been dying to go out, and I've been, I've been dying for a drink this week. I've been absolutely <laughs> dying for all the lads were out yesterday. I've seen you, out. though, like, out, but, like, I, I think maybe last week now, or I've not seen you. I went out, Reece, I just I went story, out two weeks ago. Went out two weeks ago. Zero, zero? Zero, soft yeah, zero, zeros. Um, zero, zeros are great. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I... I don't know many people and I, I'm trying to give up because I feel like it's getting, it could get a hold of you and I'm not, imagine, because well, I've given up drugs, the difference in me is life changing. New business, just got engaged, moved in with the woman of my dreams, set up a new business, more money in the account than I've ever seen. Friends have dropped off by the way, so they're not bad people, I'm just not in that, but like, I, I suppose going alcohol free, I would love it, but are, are you... You're a big supporter of zero zeros because yeah, what's the reason they, why I think if I have just, a zero zero, is it still the same calories? No, for me, it's like I'm on a night out. Someone sees me drinking seven up. They're Irish. Why what? aren't you drinking? Mad, I'll get you it? a point. Yeah. But they didn't want to get me a point when I was drinking. Yeah. I know. <laughs> now that they know you're not <laughs> drinking, they want to get you a point. Um, so for me, it just takes that whole no one asking you not feeling as awkward it's it takes like a away. bit of a cover it's like you know, a camouflage yeah, it is it is it's like a cover now saying yeah. that oh you'd have three or four on home by 11 o'clock and you've had your out. social yeah phone i've thing. had i had me little me fix or whatever you yeah, want to yeah. call it because to be honest with you it's quite hard like for oh, me here. the sacrifices that i'm making now although i was out two weeks ago I haven't seen my friends in about a week. I've, although it's been Christmas, it's been a very, very lonely Christmas yeah. for me. So I'm trying to fight on the 27th of January. There's a slim chance that I'm going to go on this car. You have to be ready. So I have to be ready. So I've locked myself away from everyone. I was only thinking there earlier on today, this is lonely. I'm isolated. I'm actually, I felt very, very lonely today. I was just sitting in the house. Yeah, very admirable for you to I say. I trained at half eight. Um, Went, I had to see someone at half twelve, and I was still around people. But I got back to the house, and I was just sitting there. Went to bed and I slept for an hour, and I woke up and was like, "I'm actually very lonely. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm lonely. I'm, people don't see." Nice for saying that because it's very important that people see this lad's fighting in the tree arena. It's the biggest stage in the country. Well, I'm sure hopefully be fighting at Crow mm, Park. But that's the plan. That's the plan. Yeah, but I'm these like, are the small sacrifices and I'm like, that this you lad have to has make. to sit in and like sit with his thoughts. Does. A big question that we wanted to ask you, I was like, fear and doubt. Because when you went into the, when you won, I can't think of the name of the championship, you're like, I didn't, I actually had no doubt. Was it the Olympics? You're like, I had no doubt I was going to lose. The elite, you were like, the elite, the elite championships. You were like, this is going to be a, like, I don't know if it was a doddle. But for me, I'm like, right, if I was in the tree arena, family there, all the people that bought tickets come to see me, hometown hero. Are you even thinking about anyone else? Are you thinking about the person opposite you in the ring? Are you just thinking about you, like technique? No. Or so like, are you like, I'm, are you rare? Or are you very calm? I'm very calm in, in preparation. You looked it went on because I was like watching, but I get my adrenaline. Would I be get calm. my confidence from prep preparation. Oh, love it. So confidence comes from preparation. I know I've You've left done everything. No stone unturned in the lead up to a fight. 
Now, yeah. if things and circumstances were different and I wasn't training the way I train and I wasn't living the way I live. A little bit of doubt might creep in. A little bit of doubt might creep in. Like, it's a very, I'm in a very selfish spot. A very, very selfish spot where nothing else matters but me winning. Nothing matters. So oh. you think about coming up to the week of that fight. There was the riots in Dublin on the tour. I, I was watching, I was thinking your stories, what's going on, what do you say? It's tough because someone from very close to where we live, I live in Temple Bar, you know what I mean? You're not too far from where this tragedy happened. And if Lewis's are getting petrol bombed or born down, it's and you've the biggest stage of your life, did you switch off from... Didn't even think to it, didn't even yeah, look at it. Yeah, you just, just have logged to. out social media. People, yeah, that's so what I thought because I didn't see you it. You have... On the biggest the lead riots to the on fight, the tour stage, my brother's fiance starts chemotherapy on the Friday, right? And did I, you have wait? Do you have to do uh, like in workouts, live workouts as well? And I'm doing all these throughout the week. And right? media obligations. But I completely cut off the chemotherapy. I completely cut off the riots, like they weren't happening. Wow! And it's a it very, takes a very. It's a very selfish mindset. Strong mindset, um, to be to put yourself in that situation. But then the fight happens and the fight goes and there's obviously the guilt that you weren't there for your family and you weren't helping your nephews throughout the week yeah. and you weren't helping your family and but you I weren't think there you, to support. Now, they fully understand that and they fully support what I do. And, and I'm sure you were there just, straight afterwards. Yeah, they don't like, want me to be there. They want me to solely concentrate on boxing. That's a, that's a positive but, in your family's yeah, life, I'd I, say. They you talked about your circle. I have the strongest circle around me. Yeah, I family. don't really know. Your, which yeah. is, why should my, I not know? My way, family, they support me in every single step of the way. And when I say every step of the way, like when I'm going for the Olympic Games or I'm going for a fight, like I'm 32. My ma to cook me food and I bother. If I ask my ma to cook me food, if I ask her to clean me clothes, she will do that and I bother. The Irish mammy. My sisters have to sacrifice so much. Like they have to listen to me moaning for making weight and everything's revolved around me and the house, not them. And so their sacrifice is so it, much. But you but look after them, I'm sure, in yeah, other ways. And, and they don't look they don't even question or they don't ever say, Why are you doing this? or why do we have to sacrifice this because he's boxing? They never do it. They do support me every single single step of the way. So I'm in a very, very lucky and a very privileged uh, position that I have these people support me because not everyone's in that circumstance. I love it. And it's like something as well. Like we kind of covered most of the questions I have. Uh, a question that we ask guests and something that I think is kind of, it's very important. If you weren't brought down to the boxing club, at age 10, do you think you probably would have followed suit like your mom or your dad or would you have probably went down continued with the plumbing? And I know people that still do the same job they did at school and hate it. Like, do you think you've kind of gone for your dream, so to speak? Or what would you think you'd be doing if you didn't, you know, go into that boxing well, club gone, when you were 10? I've gone, I've gone after my dream and... And more? It's that, and more. Like, I've, as I said earlier, I had every opportunity to walk away from the sport because... I have not made a shilling out of this sport that cost me money. So yeah. I can go get a normal job and make good money, yeah. make good money. But this is my dream. So um, I'm going after and I'm going after until the very end. I'm going to make it happen. But I think if I wasn't brought into a boxing club, I was going to succeed at something. I was going to succeed at sport. Either I, I know for a fact if it was Gaelic or if it was soccer. I Maybe was golf. <laughs> not golf. I don't have the patience for that. But if it was soccer or, or it was Gaelic, 
in my head, I was made to be a professional athlete. No matter what sport it was going to be, I would have made it. I love it. It's um, it's very, it's very nice to chat to you and to kind of know the mindset. And I feel like we could talk for hours. But the whole idea, I suppose, of the podcast is dangerous when focused. And my kind of last question to you is, um, for me, it means we kind of spoke about it at the start. But I really mean it when I get into this flow state of focus like I have today, everyone else has a day off and I'm in working, gives me the edge and I just feel like I can accomplish anything. And it comes from confidence, not cockiness. I try to spread goodness onto my social media feeds, as small as they may be. Um, What does dangerous when focused mean to you? Or does it mean anything? Is it kind of what you said at the start? Or do you like the mantra of like, when I'm focused, I can get anything done? Or have you anything more to elaborate on that as the last question? Yeah, it's being all in. Being all, all in. in. So you today is the 27th of December. Most people are hungover or else they're in a pub. I grew up at half seven this morning to make sure I had me, me first meal before I went training at half eight. From there, I went and met a lad, Max Candy, that's playing golf over in, in America. He's in college playing over there. I went to meet him to see what he's doing mindset was, right. to see why he's at getting so good at golf and well, he's had that rapidly improving over the last he's year. He's going up rankings yeah, massively. Yeah, he's had going up like 400 rankings in the last year. In a 12 so months, mad improvement. So I wanted to see what he's doing mentally Love to it. get himself there. From there, I went running. From the run, I came to talk to you on the podcast. From here, I'm going to go home and do a little bit on my business over the next, to just see where, where we're going over the next four to six weeks. So this is on the 27th of December, whenever else is resting. Before the year has even this started. Is, most people are getting ready for next week to start and go balls to the wall. That's been dangerous when folks. It's not having a day off. It's the only when other people aren't. I love it. It's kind of like the I love the Mike Tyson thing where like he used to get up and jog at five AM and just be like, you know, he have that sharpness because he knows that like I think the quote is where his opponents lying in the silk sheets when he's out jogging, slogging, getting his five I think five mile run is what he used to do. Um but I love that. I think we'll have to do number two because I know you've got a lot of business. Uh, you just started a business. Who knows what's going to happen for you next? You could be fighting on a card in January. I can't wait to see the socials grow, YouTube, and actually get to a fight. We had a Christmas party on the last time. And plus, I couldn't make the Katie Taylor fight. Thanks so much, I mean, I guess. I really mean it. Great to sit down with you. Can't wait for people to follow you or to see you, as I'm sure they know you from being around Dublin. But uh, thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Look, it's always good to have these chats and I'm looking forward to seeing the other guests that you have on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. like, I'm, Few funny I'm characters. never interested in my own story. I just want to see, see what who else people. is. Yeah, it's, look, thanks for having me. Not at all. Thanks, Emmett. Appreciate it. And thanks for listening.